0: Welcome to Popcorn Cinema, the podcast where we look at the best and worst of popular cinema and everything in between. I'm one of your hosts, Jeff Willis.
1: And I'm Sam Layton.
0: And it's our first episode, or at least the first episode that we're going to release, probably. Fingers crossed. Here we go. (laughs) We've been talking about doing a movie podcast for a long time. I was thinking about this actually this morning. I think probably like 2015, maybe, is when we first started talking about it. 2015, yep. So seven or eight years, but a a long time, and we're just now getting around to it.
1: (laughs) Slow and steady wins the race.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's amazing. We're getting to it in 2022, two years after it seemed like everybody jumped in on the 2020 podcast bandwagon, but we are getting to it.
1: Yeah, we're not bandwagoners,
0: so... That's true.
1: Yep.
0: So, yeah, this is going to be basically a movie podcast where we look at all the different kinds of movies. I think generally the idea will be most episodes will probably be looking at one movie and talking about it, breaking it down, making fun of it. We're not. um, But we have all kinds of different ideas for what we're going to do. And for the first episode, we wanted to do a special Halloween-themed episode, So we've taken three of the real classics. I think three of the Halloween movies you would say probably, would you say are like the most influential Halloween movies? Pretty close to.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're the three biggest of the slasher movies, of the OG slashers, um, and definitely... I mean, we'll get into this later, but I think definitely two of the three of them are more influential than others. Um, But yeah, these these I think would be the three most iconic of when you think classic horror movies.
0: Yeah, unless you're going back to like Psycho, obviously, is the big right influential one. Yes. Going back further. But yeah. Um, So we're today going to look at Halloween, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street we've taken five categories and we're going to rank them. And at the end, come up with what we think is the best Halloween movie. And we'll see what that is. So first though, I think we want to kind of go through what our relationship with horror movies as a genre is. Cause I think it's probably pretty different. So do you want to start like what, is your relationship with horror movies generally?
1: Um, my relationship with horror movies is probably my longest standing relationship in my life. Um, <laughs> I was raised on horror movies from a very young age, I think like six or seven, and I've just been watching them ever since. And as I've become, I'd say over the last seven or eight, uh, maybe a decade, I think, I every October I just spend watching horror movies and halloween episodes of tv shows the entire month of october um it's become a big tradition of mine so horror movies are a a really big part of my life
0: do you have a favorite sub-genre of horror movies
1: um the 80s slashers like the ones that we're looking at definitely a big one of mine and i really love the paranormal stuff so yeah like the, the conjuring it's um um, the Amneville Horror, Poltergeist, Paranormal Activity. Like, I really like that paranormal stuff. That's yeah.
0: That
1: would be my favorite.
0: The Paranormal Activity movies came out when, I don't know the exact year the first one came out, probably like 2006, maybe, uh, 2005, 2006. Yeah. It was when I was in high school anyways, and I really enjoyed those. I remember really, really enjoying the third one, which was the 80s one. Yes because they did all kinds of fun stuff like they taped a VHS recorder to a fan. Yeah, they and also it would, would like, sure. yeah, and I yeah. I really liked that one. I'm not a huge horror fan though, generally. I I won't say I I hate horror movies. There are some that I enjoy. It's just not really my favorite genre. I don't go out of my way to watch horror movies. I've always liked, you know, if there's a kind of big horror movie at the theater, and you can go with a group of people and, you know, have your popcorn with a group of friends and have a good time. You know, I like that, but I'm just, it's just not re I, I don't really go out of my way to see these movies. Like I said, I, I liked the, a lot, a lot of the ones that came out when we were younger. I, you know, I think maybe unsurprisingly, cause this is like how most of life works. Um, I like a lot of those, you know, the Ring, I like The Ring because it's more of like, that movie's more investigation than like horror. And I like that aspect of it. You know, if you if there's a horror movie that's, that's kind of like horror adjacent or it's sci-fi slash horror or it's horror, but in space, then I'll watch it. It's, you know, <laughs> Alien, Aliens, uh, that's fine. I will say I really hate the torture porn movies that became really popular in the 2000s. Don't, yeah, I so just won't even watch favorite. those. I don't. Yeah. Saw the Saw movies, The Hostel, any of that?
1: Just Hostel, no. Human speed should. Yeah, have, none
0: of. I don't.
1: That will forever traumatize me. I yeah.
0: None of that. <laughs> Not a fan. Yep. But yeah, these these three in particular: Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street. I had never seen. I hadn't seen any of them beginning to end. I'd seen the most of Halloween. Okay. Um, I'd seen a fair amount of Nightmare on Elm Street, and I'd I'd seen none of Friday the Thirteenth. When I was watching it, I was like, I I don't I've never seen any of this. I don't recognize any of this. So that was interesting. I think we'll get into why. But I was actually the most happy that I hadn't seen Friday the Thirteenth because there was aspects of it that I was surprised by, and not knowing about it going in, I think was really good but yeah so horror overall it's kind of a genre that it's like i'm fine with but i don't go out of my way to seek it out
1: that's fair a lot of people that i know are in your camp about horror movies and you know it's fine i guess more more horror movies me.
0: <laughs> yeah i'm trying to think of a horror movie that i would identify as one that i'm like and I really, really like that movie.
1: Well, you said the ring. I,
0: I do like the ring a lot. The ring. I do like the ring. You know, I, I, I kind of think there's a lot of movies that I like that are horror adjacent. I think. I think like the original Terminator is. It kind of gets lumped in as like a sci-fi movie, but it definitely is. It's very slasher esque. The Terminator is very much like a classic kind of slasher villain. You keep killing him. He keeps coming back. It's kind of blood and gutsy. I like that movie quite a bit. I do like the original Alien. That's definitely a horror movie. Like I said, Paranormal Activity, those movies.
1: Final Destination as a millennial, that movie like. Oh yeah. Really did influence our entire generation.
0: Yeah. I haven't seen all of them, but. um,
1: There's a lot of them.
0: Yeah, final destination, scream. Yeah, I did. I liked the newer It movies. I had a really good time when, the, especially when the first new It movie came out. Yes. Um, I enjoyed that one quite a bit. All right. So, should we get into these three classics of the genre? Yeah. Okay, so like I said, we've come up with five categories, so we're going to judge these movies based on music, the villain slash the longevity of the franchise, the relative scariness of the movie, the campiness of the movie, and that kind of means different things depending on the movie, and I think we'll get into that, slash in that category, In the kind of classic vein of horror movies, do any of the characters make egregiously stupid decisions? And then the final girl trope. And then we'll come up with a total score and see which movie we think is the best of the classic slasher horror movies. So we've got Halloween, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street. Do you want to go first?
1: Sure. Um, so we'll start off with music. And so before re-watching these for this, um, I had a very good idea of what the music was for uh, for Halloween. Um, I think that one's pretty, in my opinion, pretty recognizable, but I, I couldn't for the life of me remember anything about Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street. So right away, that already set a little like standard for me when I was doing this. Do we
0: want to give like, just like a tiny synopsis of these movies? Sure. Just in case.
1: Yes. Yes. So for Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, the first movie is looking at a group of teenagers that are uh, having, they're all having weird dreams that involve this man with razor claws and the dreams get progressively worse as the movie goes on. And the parents are, the the adults are pretty like dismissive of things and the kids start dying off one by one. And no one really knows why they're dying. And then you find out that there's a history with the parents of these kids that are dying with Freddy Krueger in the sense that they killed him. Spoiler alert. They said he was in the the boiler room and they set it on fire and he was in it and he died. So they thought. And so Freddy comes back to exact his revenge on the kids of the grownups that had murdered him.
0: Nightmare on Elm Street. 1984, yes. directed by Wes Craven. The man. And the other notable thing about it is that it has a very young Johnny Depp in his first.
1: Yes. Film. Yes. We've got uh, a couple of those in these movies. Yeah. But yeah, so that's sort of the little bit about Nightmare on Elm Street. Halloween, we've got, we open with an insane asylum and uh, we've got a doctor who is going to see his patient and he's being very serious and concerned about this patient and no one seems to really care no one seems to understand the severity of the situation that Dr. Loomis is trying to present. And uh, our our villain, Michael Myers, gets out of the asylum and ends up back into his hometown of Haddonfield. Oh, sorry, the movie opens up with uh, a teenage girl and her boyfriend going at it. And uh, you see the perspective of someone through a mask and you just hear the heavy breathing, The That becomes classic in Halloween. And then then the uh, person we don't see that's in this mask gets a little stab happy with a butcher knife they find in the kitchen and starts stabbing to death the girl and the boyfriend. Um, And then we cut to the insane asylum and then, uh, yeah, Michael escapes. And Dr. Loomis is all, we know where he's going. And then cut to Haddonfield, where we we have our final girl who is talking about the creepy house in the street. We find out it's Michael Myers's house. And Michael is basically coming back to Haddonfield to terrorize all the teenagers. And it seems to be mostly when they're in the middle of having sex or engaging in activities like that, um, except for the final girl. Uh, we've got two little kids that are being babysat by one, our final girl, and another teenager. Uh, they're screaming, and oh, the boogeyman. And the doctor is trying to team up with the cops to get Michael back before he murders people. And um, there's a shootout in the end. And Dr. Loomis and our final girl are you, are Did they meet and everything ends? So we think.
0: Yeah. And that one is 1978 directed by John Carpenter and the lead babysitter is a young Jamie Lee Curtis. I think I don't I don't know if this was her first movie.
1: It was one possibly. of her first roles, but it was definitely her breakout role. Yeah. Yeah, she became this this franchise solidified her as the scream queen.
0: Yeah. Friday the 13th, I guess if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, this is the one, I guess if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably seen these, but of all of of the other ones, this is the one where I would be most concerned about spoilers if you haven't seen it. If you have any interest at all in seeing it, go watch it first and then listen to this. It's weird to discuss it because I was surprised by aspects of it. But I was only surprised because of this like meta knowledge about the Friday the 13th franchise that I had. If I didn't know anything about Friday the 13th, the franchise, I wouldn't have been surprised. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird to try and talk about it. But uh, this is the one where I'm like, if you have any interest, I would go watch it before listening to anything we have to say about it. The other ones, um, there's not really much that's like super spoilerable about them.
1: No. At this point, no. But yeah. So Friday the 13th, we have Camp Crystal Lake. We've got some camp counselors that are working there trying to prep the camp for summer. So we're in pre-camp right now. One of the camp counselors in classic 80s uh, fashion is hitchhiking her way up to said camp. Um, and you've got the the country town folk being like, oh, don't go there. You're going to die. And sure enough, she does. She doesn't make it to Camp Crystal Lake, guys. Very sad moment, maybe. And everyone's trying to get ready for camp, and shenanigans are happening as it does in a summer camp. Uh, we've got a young Kevin Bacon here in his first movie.
0: Uh, actually, I don't, I don't know about that, but
1: one of his roles. On. Um, and uh, yeah, and then one by one, these teens keep dying off and we we have our final girl in this one as well and she gets to the end she survives all of the killings and and she ends up decapitating our murderer we can talk about who that murderer is in our next category and the movie ends with the police showing up to see what all the trouble is. And you've got our final girl sitting in a canoe in in the lake, longingly gazing out into the sun. Um, And (laughs) music is all nice and serene. And then all of a sudden out pops um, this decayed looking boy and drags her back into the, drags her into the lake. She wakes up in the hospital. They're all like, you're okay now. And she, oh, thank God. And she finds out all her friends are dead and uh, cut scene.
0: Yeah. And that one was direct. That was 1980 directed by Sean S. Cunningham. Yes. Okay. So those are the movies. Sorry. to Sorry. I interrupted you. That's when it. you were discussing the music.
1: Yes. Let's get into the music. So I guess we'll start with Friday the 13th since I kind of opened it a little bit there. So... The music in this movie, and I'm going to use music in quotes here. Um, it was, I found it to be more sounds, than, which I guess what well, could be music. But I, I don't know if you felt this, but I felt at times it was very Hitchcock-like. It, it reminded me quite a bit of like a Psycho Birds kind of vibe in, in the sounds that they were using, the score that they were using. I, I did find it to be pretty jarring in the sense that I I think there there was not a lot of sounds in this soundtrack in this movie it was erratic and what was in there again had a kind of Hitchcocky vibe to it I felt like some of the times that the the score was in it didn't fit with the action that was happening and I felt like there were some times where it was silent where maybe it could have used some underscoring to it it didn't do anything for me. It was kind of meth the whole way through, and then at the end we get the like do 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 kind of thing when she's in the canoe, and I'm like, why, why? It that that I laughed at more than anything, um, and the yeah, overall the music d- didn't really push my buttons.
0: That's interesting. I did not think of Hitchcock when I was watching it, but I can see it now that you're saying it. I don't want to give away too much of what I thought of this movie right off the bat, but I I actually like the music. I I thought it was like the main thing that people remember from this movie, and I guess is like relatively famous is the that it plays when yes. uh, whenever you're seeing like the perspective of the killer.
2: Yes. And
0: like I thought that was cool. Like I I really liked that. I thought that was really good. And yeah, I'll play a little bit of that. like the main thing for me the rest of it was just kind of like generic but like i thought that was really unique and i thought it was quite cool and like i saw a little clip of the composer uh whose name i don't have written down but the composer talking about that and that like clip they were trying to figure out basically how are we going to sort of telegraph to the audience that when we're seeing this sort of perspective that we're actually seeing the perspective of the killer and the kiki Ma thing ties into something that the killer says later in the movie, which we might get to, which I thought was cool. Like i I really liked that. The, yeah, like you said, the the ending stuff was not great. I thought a lot of the like climactic music when she's like fighting the killer was just kind of like uh, whatever. yeah, but um that sort of musical sting, I get what you mean. It is it's not really like music, quote unquote. It is kind of just like, sound yeah i thought it really worked so i'm i'm inclined to say like i thought that was good i'm not going to give it like a crazy high score but like i liked that so i'm giving that a thumbs up do you want to go through all of them and then we'll give our scores for each like once we
2: sure
0: yeah so i i'm without giving my score i'm kind of thumbs up on the music for friday the 13th
1: Okay. My only, th- the only saving grace for me would be the main killer sound. The yeah,
0: which is a lot of the movie, which is why <laughs> I am kind of like that was that was honestly memorable. There's a lot of it that I we can just go. I guess we kind of finished by the 13th. So to to go to Nightmare on Elm Street, I don't think there's anything in the the music was good. There's nothing about the music in that in Nightmare on Elm Street that was bad. It's very like 80s music, and I liked it. But there's no single thing in it that is memorable. Like sitting here talking to you, I'm there's no one thing that I'm like, oh yeah, that track was good. Like I would I remember that specifically. The only the only thing I can think of is at the end when Nancy, who is the final girl, is kind of home alone the house. There's like a kind of sweet eighties guitar riff track playing. And I was like, okay, that's pretty good. the music was good. Like, I, I don't want to make it sound like oh, I don't like this. I, I liked all of it. I was like, 80s music, this is good, but none of it is memorable. So I'm kind of like, and eh, it's, it's fine. Like it does its job. It's fine. But am I going to remember it? No.
1: Okay. Um. So I, I agree. Like the, the 80s music was awesome and it definitely, What I liked about this that's different from the other two is yes, Michael and Jason have a distinct sound. Friday the 13th and Halloween have distinct villain sounds to them. Nightmare on Elm Street doesn't have a distinct Freddy sound that continues through the franchise. However, what I did really like about this movie's music is that I felt that it really suited his character. The music was charismatic, it was fun, it was was cheeky, like it it just it fit with the vibe of the villain who is charismatic and cheeky and jarring and whatnot. Like I thought the music really suited what robert england did with freddy krueger so that what i that's what i really liked because i think it really it it might not have complemented the other characters but it really did it was like a freddy krueger soundtrack the whole time of yeah just-
0: i mean i i yeah i don't disagree with that like i think that's a fair assessment i just there was like i said there's just nothing memorable about yeah. it like there's nothing
1: that it, sticks, sticks out where you're like yes that is Nightmare on Elm Street
0: yeah there's no like identifiable theme that I'm like oh yeah that that was Freddie's th- like that was it like I remember that or I and would go back not- and listen to that that to me drags it down like I said it is it is 100% not bad and yeah. I enjoy cheesy 80s music so the whole time I was watching it I was like this is good. This is cheesy 80s music and I like it. But when it was over, I was like, I'm not going to remember any of that. So that's fair. I'm kind of like, yeah,
1: that's fair.
0: Okay. So the last one.
1: Halloween.
0: Halloween. This music just, it's, it's amazing. Like instantly iconic. Like as soon as you hit play on this movie, first second of this movie, you're like, this music is dope. Like this music is amazing. Even if you've never seen this movie, you'll recognize the song. It doesn't really get any better for this kind of movie. I I think it, it just nails everything. It's very distinct. Like if you're familiar with John Carpenter, very distinctly John Carpenter. So, I mean, I guess a negative, if you already know you don't like John Carpenter kind of sounds, you won't like this but that's hard for me to imagine. It just works on every level. It's just as good as it gets. I really don't have anything bad to say about it. It's just just the best.
1: Simple. It's so simple. It's like the Jaws sound. Like it's just it's yeah. so, it's so simple. And the second you hear it, with if you've seen Halloween, you go Halloween. Like it's so recognizable. I think of the three, it is the most recognizable uh, sound that yeah. that instantly instantly makes you think of that villain. It it is great. And yeah, like like you said, it is. There's nothing really bad to say about it. I love. You open up with the, the do-do-do-do-do-do, like that, that classic yeah. mic down, and then you get into, and then the movie ends with Mr. Sandman. Like, it's great. I love, the, like everything in there makes sense. It continues with the vibe of the movie that we'll get into. Um, I think it really scores the villain very well, and it scores the rest of the atmosphere of the movie very well.
0: Yeah, I really liked how, like I said, from literally like the first second that the movie starts, that theme comes on and you're just like, oh, buckle up. Like Yeah, draws you in. It's it's, great. It's it's really, really good.
1: Yeah. All right. So let's do our final scores. Friday the 13th, what did you give it?
0: I gave it a six. I was kind of inclined to go five, but I gave it a bump up because, like I said, that main villain theme I thought is is memorable it carries a lot of honestly it does a lot of work for me in this movie like it really carries a lot of the movie so I I went six
1: okay I gave it a five because the only redeeming factor for me was the the villain sound and I didn't care for the rest of it I yeah so I gave it a five That's higher than I thought you were gonna go. It passes. Um gets a passing grade, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Nightmare on Elm Street. Where did you give that? I gave
1: it a seven. I thought it was decent. It was average. It it meets the marker for me. Like I said, I think it it scores Freddie very well, but I don't think it focuses on the besides the the home aloneing part. Um, I think the music focuses more it one of my compliments uh, Freddie more than it does the rest of the movie. And there's no distinct Freddie sound. So it's good. It, it works, but it's lacking in a few details. So seven, average.
0: Okay. I, I gave it a five. Oh. I mean, my, my reasoning was the same. Like it's, it's middle of the road. Like five is middle of the road. Like it is not bad. It is not good. It is exactly middle of the road. Nothing memorable about it. Nothing great. Nothing bad. Right down the middle. It's a five.
1: All right. All right. And Halloween.
0: I went straight ten. You couldn't improve it. Yeah. There's not. There's literally nothing you could do to improve it. It's as good as it could be. So it's a ten.
1: I gave it a ten. Actually, first I gave it a nine point nine because I'm I'm not, I don't like full one hundreds. But then this morning I was going over my notes and I'm like I. I can't be a stickler. It's a 10. It's a flat out 10.
0: Yeah. 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 All right. So for both of us, that puts Halloween in the lead. All right. For the villain slash longevity of the franchise, do you want to go Halloween this time? We can just do chronological order. So Halloween 1978. Sure. Do you want to start? I'm curious to hear what you have to say, because you know these movies a lot better than me. Okay. And I guess we should say here too, particularly for me. Well, I guess more for you because I haven't seen the sequels. We've tried, at least I've tried really hard to not think about the sequels in this exercise, which wasn't super hard for me because I haven't seen the sequels, but um, I tried to pretend like sequels don't exist. I'm just judging it based on these movies.
1: So, yeah, I also had a really hard time not involving the sequels in this, but I did at the end Part of my scoring was just sort of taking a look at the general longevity of the series overall. But my main influence on my scoring is just from that movie, just from the first movie. So Halloween, we don't find out too much of the lore yet. We we have got sort of bare bones. We know that Michael killed his sister and her boyfriend. We know that his parents sent him to an asylum and... Um, in, in Dr. Loomis's words, there was nothing behind those eyes. So we know that we've got like this deep, dark serial killer sort of going on, even in the beginning when the nurse is talking in the car and saying like, you want to give him that? Like he'll barely be able to move. And Loomis is, Loomis responds with, that's the point. Like they're really setting him up to be this like boogeyman kind of character, which then is complemented by uh, Tommy that Lori's babysitting, saying like, oh, yeah, when Tommy's like, is that the boogeyman? You know, really, really setting up this character as, as a boogeyman. And boogeymen are, or the boogeyman, is a non-mortal entity that can't be killed. So right, like right off the bat, we're setting off for, I guess, the longevity of that character. We know that he's got ties to Haddonfield, It's a quaint little small town. And there's also the house. We've got the Myers house that is untouched and is seen as the haunted house of the town. You know, the gravestone of his mom gets stolen from the cemetery by Michael. And so you've really got this family, deep family connection to this town. You've got this villain that's being set up as this immortal being that is the be all and end all of the big bad. and. I think the way that the movie sets him up, even not knowing how many sequels there are, I think we're already setting ourselves up for a really dark and and could-be action-packed series. Plus, you have the Dr. Loomis character and Laurie Strode that obviously both make it at the end of the movie, and we know that Loomis has been working with Michael since he was a kid, So there's that connection as well that can be explored in future movies and is, Um, (laughs) you know, we've got our final girl, which we know is going to take us into future movies. So I think right off the bat, this movie really does a good job of setting up its its lore. And I think it gives just enough to keep you interested in coming back, but doesn't give away everything where you're like, okay, I don't need to check this out. You know, if you watch horror movies or franchise movies, you know the second movie is when you're going to find out the other stuff that's not being mentioned in in movie one. Like that's just classic, you know, watch all the screams and they go through the the whole trope of horror movies. But yeah, I think the first one does a really good job of setting up Michael, his story, who he is, why we should be afraid of him and his like whole M.O., well, from what we understand, the M.O. in the first one, which I think can get a little muddled because I think upon first watch, you're like, all right, he's just like killing teens who are having sex. Why? So I, I think that is a could be a point against it because I think his M.O. isn't fully clear in movie one. But yeah, those are, I, I really liked how they flushed out his character and the supporting characters to, to, to create sort of this lore from day one movie one.
0: Okay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I liked about this a lot was that there was not a lot of backstory. There was not a lot of like, deep delving into lore. I I think it walked, because it doesn't go super deep into that MO and the lore and all of that. You get, like you said in your kind of recap, you get the first, the beginning of the movie, like the first five minutes or however long it is, you get the sort of flashback of Michael as a little kid killing his sister or his babysitter or whoever it is. And that's really all you get and then uh the dr loomis character obviously who has worked with him and pursuing him and you really only hear about michael from dr loomis's perspective and most of the movie not just having having seen any of the franchise or, or knowing anything about this i was kind of like i don't know should i trust loomis or not because a lot of times in these movies the doctor character ends up kind of being like a jump. And you're just like, I don't know. If I and he kind of plays him as like uh, is this guy, is this like a Captain Ahab type character? Like, is he just losing it? Going, like, obviously, Michael's a bad dude, but what is Loomis's motivation for being like so intense? I I wasn't really sure what kind of story we're getting from Loomis. But uh, regardless of all that, I like that we didn't get a lot of backstory because it the movie really walks the line well between that kind of, oh, this is just like a thing that could happen. This is, you know, some kind of dangerous individual who is out in the world and this could happen in real life. And on the other side, he has some kind of like supernatural connection, which is it's kind of like hinted at in the movie but never it's never made overt there's just kind of little hints in the filmmaking i would say and i I think that's a that's a john carpenter trope honestly going back after i watched halloween i didn't watch any of the sequels but i went back and i watched one of his older movies assault on precinct 13 which is kind of like a it's sort of like a modern day alamo movie where it's just some cops in a precinct and a gang attacks them and the gang that attacks them, is, it's very similar. The gang, you get none of the backstory of the gang, but they're presented as, oh, they're kind of real, but also like there's this underlying supernatural element that's hinted at. And I like that. I like that walking the line of you're kind of scared because, oh, this could be real. But also on the other side, you're like, uh, is, is there a supernatural element? I don't, I don't really know. And so if you're looking... Forward at at moving the franchise forward, like you've got a lot of different directions you could go because you've kind of planted the seeds of oh, maybe you know, there's more to uncover here if you're inclined to go that direction. But also it's just kind of like we can kind of stick with this more sort of realism. I don't I don't want to call it like total realism because it's really it's not it's not total realism, not in the sense that we would think of like modern day. Realism, but it, more than the other two movies that we're going to talk about, uh, it has a kind of more realistic vibe, and I I like that quite a bit. I like that there was not this huge backstory. It's just like a lot of things that are hinted at without going super deep, and I always find that mysterious element more interesting. So I I liked that aspect of it.
1: Um, the other thing that I think is very important to the it's not the character lore but the movie lore the mask the michael myers mask is shatner's face yeah and i just think that is a very important point to mention because you know in the horror movie world there is a lot of there are quite a few movies that have obviously the lore in within the movie but then there's these fun facts and these lures about the actual making of the movie. Like Poltergeist. Poltergeist has a huge lore, if you will, about the whole making of those movies and all of the weird things that were happening around it. So I think having this, its own thing with it, for me, added to, the, to my, my score in this one. Because, you know, Shatner's face is Michael Myers.
0: Yeah, it's weird too, cause I feel like that's relatively common knowledge. Yes. And also, if you didn't know it, you would have no idea. Like, it doesn't look anything like him.
1: Yeah, they did uh, a really good job of taking someone so well known and iconic, and just like not ha you. You wouldn't know it. It's great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, he looks. It's a good. He's a good. He's a very good scary villain look, and a lot of this movie. It's just kind of him standing around. Talking. And for that to work, he had to look scary, and he does, and that works. So yeah, again, without giving away my score, I'm inclined to go pretty high, pretty pretty good thumbs up.
1: Yeah, b- big thumbs up for me on this one. Um, okay, next we're going to go into Friday the 13th, 1980.
0: Okay, do you want me to start on this one? Sure. Okay, like I said before, if you haven't seen this movie, go watch this movie and then listen to this because I'm going to have to spoil it. And okay, when I was watching this movie, I did not know that I thought Friday the 13th, that's the Jason franchise. Never seen any of them. Like I said, I'd seen bits of the other two. I hadn't seen any of this one. So I sat down to watch it and I'm watching it and I'm like, this is the Jason franchise. Jason is going to kill some people. And I'm watching it. And right off the bat, the first person, or the first like camper that dies gets killed by the killer in a Jeep. And I I was watching that and I was like, oh, Jason drives a Jeep? Like my impression of him was like, he's a big dumb moron. Like I didn't think he could drive a Jeep. This is kind of weird. And then most of the movie, you don't don't see the killer for like three quarters of the movie. And a lot of it is just the killer kind of stealth moaning, all these kids. And I was kind of not that interested in any of the kids. Like none of them have interesting personalities there. I, I kind of got more interested in, which is like, oh, this would, this would be an interesting movie if this killer just like manages to take them all out and just like, doesn't get found out. Like that would, that would be interesting, but get to like three quarters of the way through the movie, the killer is stealth moted basically everybody, except for the final girl. And it turns out that the killer is not Jason at all. It is Jason's mom, Then just like shows up at the camp and is like, hey, I'm Jason's mom. And uh, she's mad because 20 years ago, or I don't know how many years ago, a long time ago, Jason was at this camp. And while some camp counselors were having sex, he drowned in, in the lake. And so now she's kind of lost her mind and everybody that comes to this camp she just kills cuz she thinks she hears Jason's voice telling her to kill people which is why that um to go back to the music just for a second that ki 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 ma 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 thing the composer that is supposed to represent the voices that she hears saying kill her mommy which is something that she repeats the Jason's mom repeats and genuinely I thought that was a really good twist. Like I was, I was surprised by it. I was like, "Oh man, this isn't Jason at all. This is his mom," and the the woman that plays the mom does a really good job as portraying this like uh, sort of unhinged individual. I thought she was quite good. But it's weird though, because that twist only worked for me. Because I had this meta knowledge about the franchise. I know I said I wasn't, I was trying not to bring in the sequels, but it's hard not to hear because because I thought I was watching a Jason movie when it wasn't Jason, I was like, oh man, cool. It's this is this is a cool surprise. If I didn't know that, if I had just gone in being like, Oh, this is just a movie, this is just a slasher movie, and that was the twist, I'd be like, Yeah, you know, okay, whatever. Like. Uh, I don't know who Jason is. I don't know who these people are. I don't care. So it's weird because I I don't know how to, I don't know how to judge that because if you are listening to this podcast, I'm spoiling it for you now and you're not going to have the same reaction that I did. So it's hard to, to stay. I I don't know what, I don't know what to do with that. Basically. (laughs) When I was watching it, I was like, cool twist but only because I thought I was watching something else. And setting that aside, the double twist at the end where the final girl kills the mom, she's floating in the lake, and then Jason actually does leap out of the lake in like the last two minutes of the movie. I hated that. I thought it was stupid. I didn't like it. Because the whole movie... There's really nothing that's quote-unquote supernatural about it. It's just kind of like there's this killer killing these campers in these increasingly gruesome ways, and then you get to the very, very end, and it's like, oh, there's a demonic fish boy in the lake, and that's just now part of the movie. And it's dumb. (laughs) I didn't like it. Uh, I guess it sets you up for future sequels. Like now, you you can have Jason in the sequels because you can't have the mom because she's she's completely dead. But I thought it I thought it was bad. I it's this is honestly a problem that I have with horror movies generally a lot of the time, and this is a really big problem that I have with one of the other movies, which we'll get to. I do not like when it's like, you've watched this whole movie. If you're the final girl or whoever, it doesn't have to be the final girl, just whatever, whoever you are, you've gone through this whole movie. You've sort of solved this problem or survived this ordeal. And then the movie is just like, actually, nope, none of that matters. (laughs) You, You maybe went through this whole traumatic thing and... It doesn't matter because there's a demonic fish kid. <laughs> it's like, well, then this whole thing was pointless. Why did I watch any of this? Doesn't, none of this matters. This is dumb. I don't like it. So this, this is a really tough score for me because <laughs> I, I liked the villain. Like genuinely, I was like, good. This, this is a good villain but I hated the twist and I only liked the villain because of this meta knowledge I had about the franchise. So I don't know. The score was tough for me. Once again, we'll get to it, but yeah, this was a tough score. (laughs)
1: Um, Yeah. So I don't, I don't have much to disagree with you on here. Um, This movie full disclosure is my least favorite of like, I, I just, I don't have a lot to say that's, we'll get to it but i with with the longevity the lore of this yeah the movie i understand what it was trying to do i get it we're trying to be different from halloween and you don't see the killer and there's a plot twist it, the killer is not who you think the killer should be you know the 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 slow burn was great was good to a point but then at one point you're just like okay i get it you're mysterious but but like let's get to it a bit I felt that it didn't, I don't know, it also didn't touch on the story of Jason a lot. You hear it once, and then she just starts murdering everyone. Um, and like, there's no, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's not discussed, it's not flushed out. It's just kind of like a throwaway to justify why Pamela Voorhees is murdering these kids. And, I get it. The camp is opening for the first time in twenty years or whatever it was, and you know, sure, but it's just the the The, the background information is not fleshed out enough for me to be like, I give a shit about what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it, it's a bunch of it didn't make sense to me, or it didn't. It didn't fit very well with me. And, and okay, the boat scene, I also hated that. Why? That's dumb. My question is, how do we go from little fish boy dragging the final girl into the next movie where Jason is a fully fledged adult? Jason, even in the poster of Friday the 13th, he is a man. He is a tall man. We Like, we see the outline, the silhouette of his body. That's not Pamela's body. That's Jason's body. And then we know, because, you know, it is not 1980. Um, we've all seen the the pictures of him. He's a fully grown man with a hockey mask and a machete. How do we go if we're going off of this, like, mysterious paranormal sort of vibe it doesn't make sense to me that in movie one he is little fish boy and then for the rest of the series we're just supposed to believe that what he grew up but why didn't you grow up in the last 20 years that you've been dead so that that like i that lost it for me as well um, I think in terms of just this movie, looking at longevity-wise, I think you would have one other movie, and then you could stretch it to a third, but there there really isn't much to go off of here. I guess you could interpret that as, ooh, you can go in any direction with it, but I don't think there's enough of a foundation from movie one in terms of the story that's flesh. There's no the story. One. This movie there has no one. story, yeah. really. There's nothing in there, and then it just becomes, it just becomes then this movie that you're forcing other movies to be a part of this franchise just to keep Jason alive. But like, there's no real story. He's boring.
2: Yeah. Boring.
1: The yeah. Lord doesn't interest me. It doesn't excite me. Psycho Mom is killing the thing, killing all the kids. Then she dies. She's did you like most-
0: her performance, though? Like, I thought her performance was was good. Like, her.
1: <laughs> she, uh, she was, she was pretty entertaining. Yeah, Yeah. she was creepy. She was entertaining. She did a great that job. Sounds good. But then her head got cut off. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. Then, then the coolest part of the movie is gone. And you're building a franchise off of a character that you see for half a frame.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man, I, I agree with all that.
1: You know, yeah. So let's not waste any more time on uh, Dead Fish Boy and let's move on to Freddy Krueger.
0: Okay, Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, I mean, this may surprise you. I don't actually. I, I honestly don't feel like I have a huge amount to say about Freddy Krueger. He is probably the most overtly interesting. He's kind of the wildest. He is wisecracking and having all these quips and jokes and and just kind of being funny <laughs> he's good like i don't know he's a good villain i don't i don't know I, it's hard i don't have like a ton to say about him he's an 80s villain his his or hands are like pretty iconic uh i found when i mean we'll talk about this more in the scary part i found when he was on screen not that scary but other parts of the movie were scary He's just, he's just good. He's iconic for what he is. I kind of wish there was a little bit more explanation of, I mean, you get the backstory of what he did and, and all that. I kind of wish there was a little bit more explanation of, okay, so how did he get this ability to be like a dream demon? Because that's not explained at all. It's just, he was a killer and now he haunts dreams and can kill people in dreams. And it's just, Okay. Like, I, I I mean, in this kind of movie, you don't really need a huge amount of details, but it would have been nice to have like just a little bit of explanation of like, okay, well, that's, that's why that's happening. Or like, that's how that, that happened, but there's none of that. So I guess in terms of sequels, that's probably good. Like that gives you something you could explore in sequels. So that's good. I don't know. I, I feel like it kind of sounds like I didn't like him, but like I did, like he was good. He's, he's, he's a good villain. I just don't know what to say other than he's a good villain. <laughs> he's entertaining. Um, so yeah, I liked him.
1: Nice. Yeah. Um, so like full disclosure for whoever's listening, I'm currently wearing a Nightmare on Elm Street t-shirt. I love Freddie. I think he is so dynamic as a villain. He's very different than Michael and Jason. Yeah. Uh, Michael and Jason, you could argue are somewhat similar. Michael just does it better. You know, they're the strong silent type that wield a knife. But Freddie, like you said, you know, he's he's fun. He's uh, I think him as a character isn't overly creepy. But like you said, the the movie itself is kind of creepy, and we can get into that um, in our next category. But I I think his presence is very commanding in the same way that Michael's is, just in a different way. Like, he's more charismatic. He's got a personality to him. He's toying with his victims by playing with them and having fun with them. He's kind of like like a slasher version of the Joker, almost. Like, he's got that vibe to him, you know? Like the Mark Hamill Joker, not the others. Um, But he's got that... He's got that cheekiness to him. He's fun. He's weird. He's overtly sexual. He's kind of like the 80s packed into a striped sweater and knife hands, Um, which, like, his whole look is iconic as well. Yeah. Like, that's very distinct. So I thought just out of these three movies, he sets himself apart so distinctly. And I think it's the
0: polar opposite of, of Michael. Like yeah, they're, they're at complete ends of the spectrum and they both work really well in different completely ways. different ways.
1: I love how much Freddie engages with his victims and really tortures them. Mm-hmm. These kids actively don't sleep for as long as possible and drive themselves to potential psychosis just so that they can stay away from, from him. And I think that's so cool. Like he changes their whole way of life and they're, he controls them without having to do a thing. And I love that. And you can do so much with that for few. I think it sets up future movies very well. Cause you, you have a lot to play with there. Like you said, not knowing a whole lot about his backstory. I think the character himself lends to a lot of dissection and like interpretation for future movies. And it doesn't even, him, it doesn't really matter who the final girl is. Whereas Michael, there seems like there is that, there's that attachment with Laurie and Dr. Loomis. With Jason, there's that attachment to the camp. With Freddie, that man haunts you in your dreams. Everyone dreams.
0: Yeah. I wonder if we're going to disagree about the final girl part. We'll have to All wait until right. we get to the end.
1: Yeah. But I thought this, this one was really high for me. I, I, yeah, this one was really high for me. And like to take the other movies out of this and just think of the impact as well of that the lore has had. Freddy gets referenced in so many TV shows and movies. He's got like a bit part in uh, Scream, one of the screams um, right before Henry Winkler dies. Um, you know, he's he's in a lot of cartoons. Like he is yeah. everywhere. He is so iconic that way. Even in the movie Urban Legends, Robert England plays a professor and Freddie is sort of alluded to in his scenes. It's cool. Like they play with him so much outside of it. Michael and Jason sure are a part of culture as well, but I think less so than Freddie. And I think that has to lend itself to the lore, longevity, impact,
0: just the look of the movie in general, freddy and then just the overall stylistic choices of Nightmare on Elm Street. Watching it in 2022, it's really hard not to be like, "Oh, this is this is where, especially the most recent season of Stranger Things. This is just where Stranger Things got literally everything. This is just this." this could be a prequel to Stranger Things. Like they just took everything from this movie and a lot of, uh like especially the most recent season, like I said, a lot of the the most recent villain, I think, can be traced directly to Freddy. So um, yeah, yeah, definitely iconic.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so do you want to do scores?
1: Yes. Okay, <laughs> Friday the 13th, got a four from me and I think that was generous
0: I'm surprised I thought I was going to go really low on Friday the 13th I went I went five like I said I struggled with it because I I I did really enjoy that twist but then I hated everything else about it so I just kind of went middle of the road I was like (laughs) I don't want to penalize it too much because there's a part of it that I liked but I hated half of it. So I'll just go right down the middle and give it a five.
1: Yeah, I thought of that too, but I don't think the twist was enough to carry it to a passing grade in my mind. So it it got a it got a four. Yeah. If I was generous, yeah. four and a half, but it doesn't get a passing grade for me.
0: That's yeah, I think that's that's fair.
1: Yeah. Um, Halloween or Michael.
0: Um, I went eight. Because, like I said, I think this movie really hinges on Michael looking scary, being scary. Because, like I said, a lot of it is just him kind of standing and looking. That's like 75% of the movie. And if that doesn't work, then this movie doesn't work. And it does work. And... Like I said, I, I like that you don't get this huge lore backstory. It's kind of left open to interpretation in a very John Carpentery way, which I liked. I don't think it's perfect, but um, it's pretty high. So eight.
1: Nice. Uh, I gave it an eight and a half. Similar reasons as you. I just, I thought that it worked well. So Eight and a half. Eight and a half. Yeah okay um,
0: nightmare on elm street
1: i gave it a 10. i gave it like 9.9 9, but you know i won't be that person so i'm getting i'm giving my man a 10. all
0: right i went seven.
1: Oh, okay it's
0: it's it's good um i kind of wish freddie had had a little bit more screen time honestly I think that might have helped a little bit. And there were a few times where I was like, he maybe is just a little bit too goofy. Like the scene in the beginning when, when Tina first sees him and you see him and he's got these like really long slinky arms. I was like, that's dumb. (laughs) Uh, Maybe rein it in a little bit, but like he's, he's, he's great. And he's iconic and everything about it is good. Like we said, but he's not that scary when he's on screen michael is scary when he's around and freddie's not that scary when he's on screen so i'm going seven okay
1: we can argue about that in the next segment
0: <laughs> yeah that doesn't mean i don't think the movie's scary so we'll, yeah. we'll we'll go into pairs. Why,
1: uh, why don't we start off with the nightmare on elm street then
0: okay i i'll i'll, I'll start with Nightmare on elm street okay um I'll just say, of the three movies, I'll just say right off, I thought this was the scariest movie of the three. Like I said, Freddy, when he's on screen, not that scary. But whenever you see the kids sort of having a nightmare from the outside, like from somebody else's perspective, that's really scary. When you first see Tina, who's the first kid that dies, like first has a nightmare of Freddy, that first scene where she's kind of floating in her bed and then like being thrown around the room, very exorcist. That was, that's really scary. That's a, that's a very scary scene. Probably if I had to pick an individual scene that was the most scary from any of these three movies, I'd probably pick that scene as the most scary. So I'm inclined to go pretty high on the scariness of this movie It's good, though, because it's balanced out by this. We'll get to this in the next category. But this movie is also quite campy and people make some stupid decisions. And it's funny. So it's that particularly 80s balance. of Yeah, it's scary, but it's also funny. It's not like I feel like especially modern horror movies can get just like so miserable that you're just like, this is not fun. You want to watch it as kind of for a movie and it would be some kind of fun. And this is not fun. But Nightmare on Elm Street is fun. It's scary, but it's fun. It all works. It's got some very scary scenes. Like I said, the Tina one is a real standout. That's probably the most, that's definitely the most standout. I don't know. The I think the other standout scene that people remember from this movie is when Johnny Depp dies and there's this massive geyser of blood that lasts out of his bed. Didn't really think that was that scary, but, um, you know, people might disagree about whether that's scary or not. But overall, high marks on scariness, the most scary of these three movies, I think. Although I think there's a pretty good argument to be made for Halloween. I'm just not going to make it. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, high marks on scariness.
1: Nice. I agree with you. Out of the three, this was the, the scariest or creepiest. I mean, again, everyone has to sleep. We all dream and, and he gets you in them. And that's so cool. The song, the, th- okay. So I know we're skipping a bit or jumping a bit, but Freddie does have a theme song. I just realized it's the nursery rhyme. The Fred- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For you, that whole thing is his theme thing. It's not a song or whatever, but that nursery rhyme, that, is creepy as shit. Anytime kids are involved in a horror movie, creepy. I really liked that. I also liked the way that they shot the dream scenes versus the reality scenes. Like the dream scenes almost have like this fuzziness to it um, in some of them. And I, I think like his, the way he, again, like engages with the victims and it's very, it's very like joker-esque tortury and it's cool it works it creeps you out the characters have to that like johnny depp and nancy have to work to try and keep themselves awake which then drives nancy a little bonkers and that's cool
0: it is funny when she i genuinely laughed when she towards the end when she's trying to keep herself awake and she's like, oh yeah, mom, I'm going to bed. And she like gets into bed and her mom leaves the room and then she gets out of bed and whips a coffee pot out from under her bed. Yeah. my like, oh, that's pretty funny. Uh,
1: um, and like the bathtub scene. Like, oh yeah, that's
0: pretty know? scary too. Like, like that's that's also high house. I like the scary scene.
1: Yeah. Just because
0: of the way that it's shot, it's very crazy. It's
1: very well done. Um, You don't even see her actually falling asleep. His hand just comes out in between her legs and you're like, oh shit, I guess she's sleeping now.
0: yeah i think that's one of the scariest things about the movie overall is when you're not sure sometimes if you're in a dream or 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 out of it and it keeps you kind of as a viewer on edge yeah um, you're not sure if you're safe quote unquote or if like something really messed up is going to happen
1: it's great i i like it when when that he's got those big hokey dream scenes, but then there's those hyper-realistic, or not hyper-realistic, but those moments where you're like, yeah, wait, is this, so they're they're dreaming? And then you kind of feel like the characters too. You're like, am I going insane here? What's going on? I like it. It, it, it keeps you, yeah, like you said, on the edge. Um, I think he does a really good job of being creepy and and capturing his audience that way and also just how we can talk about this in the next category but how blatantly disregarding the adults are in this movie towards him also just really lends to the these kids are going insane the jail cell scene with with the uh, rod rod being like hung up yes that's really hokey and paranormally but it was a little creepy because he's so helpless no one can help him But, yeah, like, he can just get you. And there's really, from all the deaths in this movie, there's nothing anyone can do about it. He fully, like, sandwiched Johnny Depp in his head. Like, well, what can you do about that?
0: But, yeah, man, I... We'll talk about this at the end, but that is something that really bugs me about this movie.
1: All right. So let's move on to Friday the 13th. So... The scariness factor in this movie wasn't a whole lot for me. I did like the the setup that, you know, the crazy town folk are doing about, you know, the shifty eyes when victim number one is like, I'm going to Camp Crystal Lake. And they're like, ooh, should we tell her? Uh, you know, like, the, I, I uh, like that stuff. That's, that's, that's nice. Um, none of it was relatively scary for me. Even the way people were even in the opening scene when they're going through what the camp was in the fifties and that couple slinks off to go fool around. And I was laughing, I was laughing when they were being killed. It was so hokey. And so, I mean, we're talking about the next category It was so campy. It was just, yeah. And then I think there were parts in this movie where it could have been scary, like in the bathroom, When, um, strip poker, strip monopoly woman was like brushing her teeth and, you know, she's in the old camp bathroom and you see the curtain waving or like the light was, was moving. Sure. That could have been creepy, but I don't know. There there wasn't a whole lot of this that really creeped me out. It gets points for being set in the middle of nowhere and no one can help you or, or anything like that. A point, um, Also setting up, what was his name? Randy, the like town kook as just like walking out of a closet or something and just being like, he's going to get you. You're all going to die. You didn't do anything with that character. What was the point of any of that? Had he been a part of the deaths? Sweet. Sweet that would have been cool. Or had he, you know, had you seen his like blade body being like nailed to a tree outside one of the cabins, sweet, I would have enjoyed that. But there was nothing. So for me, scariness, I wrote boring exclamation mark, too slow, not enough scare, is is what I wrote. It was a meh for me.
0: Yeah, I agree. I didn't think this was scary. I wrote just nothing. Like my <laughs> my my note is nothing. It just wasn't scary. Nothing scary really happened. I I think to me a big problem was I just didn't care about any of the campers. They had no personality. They were all boring. Yep. I said I think at one point I kind of got more invested in oh, it's kind of interesting that the killer is just stealth missioning all these kids. And if the killer just stealth modes everybody and gets away with it, that would be interesting. I'd be kind of interested in that. But yeah, I wasn't scared. Didn't think it was scary. I
1: was laughing in uh, this movie more than I was like,
0: hmm. Yeah, I I mean, the only thing I'm going to say about it is... If you find sort of gory hills scary, then you might think this is scary. But if you've grown up with the more modern, bloody, hostile saw-type movies, you're gonna look at this and be like, "This is this is nothing." So
1: honestly, um, I think this movie is only scary if you time travel back to 1980 and you've never seen any other movie ever. Yeah. Even the seeds, so, like the gore, it's on. Like, cool. is that ketchup? Can I dip my fries in that? It, yeah,
0: the one that that uh, I thought maybe, I guess the closest to to kind of gross and scary was the Kevin Bacon one. The thing like coming through his neck while he's laying down. I was like, that's you know, gross. But when you see it again, you can see this fake neck. And-
1: with all of them. With all of them. Yeah. With our first victim, you see she just goes, and then the the throat goes, the knife goes across her fake neck, and it's just, and yeah. you know, all of them, you see the fake, and I get it. We can't judge them in today's standards from the 80s. I get that.
0: And cool. super low budget.
1: Very um, low budget. Sure, they get a pass for that. The only death scene I will say that I did, I, I did like and it got one point for me from is when Kevin Bacon and Lady Friend are going at it on the bottom bunk and the camera pans up and you see the funny man dead in the bed above. That I liked, but they didn't use it. They could have used that. That could have been like, his hand slinks over the bed, and you know she's like, "Oh yeah, I'm enjoying this. Oh, why is your hand touching me?"
0: Yeah, oh, they had to draw out the runtime of like the movie, though.
1: It. Sorry, so they
0: had they had to draw out the runtime of the movie, so they had to kill them separately.
1: Well, then I they kind have done everything so fucking slow
0: because. Yeah, I they- know. I i I just yeah, not scary, no boring, not yeah. interesting. Moving on. Halloween.
1: Ah. Halloween, Halloween. Okay, yeah, it was decently scary, I think. Michael does a great job of landing that creep factor. Every time he's about to go on the hunt, you hear the dinner, dinner. Great, love it. I don't think it has, has as many creepy or scary moments as Nightmare on Elm Street. I think... His overall presence and Dr. Loomis's sheer frightenedness of the fact that he's out loose in Haddonfield, I think that works really well for this movie. I like how he kills the teens in a way that's not stupid like in Friday the 13th. Like he still does sort of one-on-one, but they're not as, you're, you're not laughing at them really. And he, what I like too, is that he doesn't always use his knife. He strangles a few of them. And one, he just like fucking pitchforks into the the kitchen door. I thought that was brilliant. Like he's resourceful. He's a resourceful killer, which makes him scarier. And he actually doesn't get his knife until he breaks into the old couple's house and takes the knife from their kitchen counter. So I liked that he's resourceful. You know he has a plan, but he's also kind of on the fly, which makes him a bit unpredictable, in a way, which I think lends to the creepy factor. And I like I like that he fully pretends to be Paul in the sheet and puts his glasses on and then goes up to totally girl. And, you know, you get the creepiness. She's like, oh, hey, baby, you like what you see?
0: Yeah, oh, that was God, one of the happening? things that I... Yeah, so I I pretty much agree. Not as scary as Nightmare on Elm Street overall. I mean, overall, I kind of almost would describe this as not even... I mean, except for the end, really, I would more describe this as like a thriller than a classic horror movie. Like, a lot of it like i've said is him just kind of standing and being threatening and it's just unsettling it's not mega scary it's just unsettling the whole thing is unsettling it's an unsettling atmosphere and that works cuz it's what it's going for the, there's two scenes i i kind of pointed out as being like oh these i thought these scenes were distinctly scary one has nothing to do with Michael really is when in the very beginning when Loomis and the nurse are driving up in the car to the mental institute and it's raining and they're just driving up and you see all the patients have escaped and they're just in that field yeah. and you just kind of like see them mechanically yeah. moving back and forth and it's a really creepy shot. And I was like, oh, that's that's pretty scary. Yeah. And then the other was what you just said, the, when he dresses up as the ghost and he's just standing in the doorway and she's talking to him for like quite a long time. And he's just yeah. kind of like stand there and you kind of, the camera kind of gives you her perspective and he's just standing there and you know that it's him, but she doesn't. And that's, that's pretty scary. But overall, I think it it, the movie does what it's trying to do, which is, be unsettling and kind of have this sort of thriller atmosphere, but it's not terrifying. There's no scene like the Nightmare on Elm Street Tina scene where you're like, oh my God, this is like yeah. super scary. So, pretty high score, but is it as scary as Nightmare on Elm Street overall? No.
1: Yeah, correct. I, I agree. Uh, so, final scores Friday the 13th
0: uh Friday the 13th I gave it a two I almost went one but then I like I said I was like if you do think that kind of blood and gory kills are scary then perhaps you'll find this scary so I went two
1: I also gave it a two it got one point for Pamela's creepy factor and one point for that death scene that I liked or the death pan up that I liked two
0: yeah. yeah, she's creepy. Yeah, yeah, I I could see giving a point for her. She's her performance is creepy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Halloween. Halloween.
0: Halloween I went seven. Like I said, I I it's not really, you know, I think it would be fine to go higher because I think it does what it's trying to do. I just think if your criteria is I want a terrifying movie. I don't think it's terrifying. I just think it's unsettling. And like I said, that is what it's trying to do. It's just not massively scary by itself. So it's a seven.
1: I also gave it a seven because yeah, it, it did what it came here to do. Creepy or unsettling. And I, I enjoyed it. It's, it's scariness or relative scariness. Uh, it's it just doesn't, it's not above and beyond. Okay. Freddie. My man, Freddie.
0: I went eight. It's the scariest of the three. Like I said, it's a good mix of scary and funny. I couldn't bring myself to go higher because it's not, I I didn't find that it was like terrifying. I wasn't like, oh, I'm not going to be able to sleep because this is super scary. And I don't like when the scariest part of this movie is right in the beginning. The, The thing with Tina is the first thing that happens. And it's, kind of good because it hooks you you're you're immediately into it but also there's just like nothing else in the movie that lives up to that that's like the, the thing that happens and i kind of wish there'd been for, for scariness purposes it would have been nice if there was like one more thing that you know as scary as that and there's really not but still uh of the three it's the scariest it's pretty scary i'm giving it an eight
1: okay i gave it a nine I agree with most of the points that you said and same for me. I think I think the the creepiness, the unsettling feeling that you get throughout the entire movie is great. And I think the kids or Nancy in particular's slow descent into madness for having to stay up and and watch her friends and boyfriend die and then like mom puts bars up on her window. Like I think the overall vibe the movie's trying to go with, I think, really lands. And I think him as a presence is super creepy and scary, more so than the other two. And I think that's pretty consistent throughout the movie. And he has a very lasting effect on like the audience and the character. So that gave it the nine for me.
0: I can see that. Yeah. I I'm really interested to get to the final bureau category. Yeah. And hear what you have to say. But we got one more category before that. So I love this. Um, one. The campiness category.
1: And stupid actions.
0: Do you want to start with Halloween first on this one?
1: Sure. I feel
0: like Nightmare on Elm Street probably has the most to say <laughs> in this one. <laughs> Halloween.
1: I mean, in classic horror movie actions, um, for stupid actions, our final girl runs upstairs when there's trouble. And, you know, I know this is 1978 and maybe there aren't heaps of horror movies to go off of here, but come on, Lori, come on, Lori, what are you doing here? That was hilarious. The totally girl. I don't even remember her name, but the, 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 yeah. Yeah. The one that dies in the bed. It's like totally, totally, totally. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's not really stupid. It just, it just stood out to me as like, annoying um the the stupid actions overall i think the biggest one in this movie and i don't remember if i told you this outside uh before but i think the entirety of the medical staff and the cops just completely disregarding Loomis as this wacky old man therapist or whatnot. And like, oh, you're just a bonkers old man. Okay, Loomis. How are you not listening to him? He's been his doctor for like 15 years or whatever. And you're just like, <laughs> you're a kook. Anyways, back to my job. I, I That is the dumbest <laughs> thing. I don't know the, i I think
0: dumbest, that's fine
1: I think it makes it sense so the humanly man this is not a good dude y'all need to be vigilant and they're like okay man have a cookie you want to come for a little ride along okay I, I just that was the dumbest thing if we are you know believe the experts I don't understand i I, I don't understand um
0: I, I'm gonna disagree with you on that
1: fine um <laughs> <laughs> like, I just don't. they they like to me, they went through too much effort for every single person to try and discount what he was saying. And like not one person was like, "You know what? You've watched him grow up. Sure, I, I I'm buying what you're putting down,
0: but he doesn't present no. I, I mean, okay, ninety nine percent of the time, I am a believer, the expert person, but he doesn't present really any credentials. He just rolls up. Nothing has happened in the town. There's there's no real reason for the cops to be like suspicious of anything. I think there was like a break-in at the hardware shop or something, which is just like a normal thing that would happen. And he rolls up and is just like, I'm Dr. So-and-so from X place. And you've got this super demonic, extremely dangerous. He's way over the top in his description of, of Michael Myers. and And the cops are like, well, nothing's happened. What are you talking about? Who are you? What is this? What are you talking? like, what's going on? And then, the, and Loomis's plan is, okay, well, take me to his house. I'm going to stand in the bushes and wait for him. And if I was the cop, I'd be like, all right, man, you you stand in the bushes. I'm going to go actually fight some crime and, like, investigate some stuff and, like, do some things on Halloween because nothing in my town has happened. And you're just like some guy I don't know with no credentials from out of town who's telling me some massively evil spirit man from out of town is come to invade. And I see no evidence of that. And you're not presenting me with evidence. So, like, nah, but I am stand in the bush. I'm going to go do some other stuff. And I think that is justifiable in the way that it is presented in this movie nothing's going on except kids playing pranks trick-or-treating parking getting high i have the feeling that you're way off on this you have the wrong feeling you're not doing very much to prove me wrong what more do you need well it's going to take more than fancy talk to keep me up all night crawling around these bushes
1: fair loomis is definitely over the top but i feel like having the history of the myers house being so decrepit and and like we don't go near this house and knowing that like these cops probably were teenagers or something when this this murder happened so they know that this is a thing and I don't know if if I was a cop uh, in this movie and this this psychologist whatever he is is like hey my patient that's been in a mental institution for the better part of his life has now escaped and i'm telling you he's here i would be like yeah maybe we're not going to hide in the bushes but why don't we send a car to like patrol the house the street be a little bit vigilant instead of completely shutting him down because sure he's pretty over the top and wild but doesn't that wouldn't that make you be like okay maybe you are a little bit crazy but also maybe there's a reason why you're being a little like this
0: yeah, I mean, I'll give you... I'm kind of thinking about when he first shows up in there at the hardware store, and he's like... Yeah, the hardware re- store
1: is completely, completely... And he's trying to, like... Loomis is
0: trying to, like, read him the riot act about Michael Myers, and the cop's just trying to, like, do his job. And it's right. like, you have no evidence of anything. I will give you... Once Loomis goes out to Mrs. Myers' grave and she's missing, at that point, if I was the cop, then I'd be like, okay... I got to listen to this guy cuz now Something we've got evidence that like something's going on. Yeah. And I think leaving a car look at the the house or like stake it out or whatever. Yeah, that's that's fine. But I don't think it's I don't think their reaction to him is insane. I don't think they're so far out of bounds not listening to this guy that it that it's I I don't put it in massively stupid. I think yeah, they could have handled it differently. The way it's presented to this movie, though, I think it kind of makes sense. because, like I said, even as a viewer, I'm like, I'm not sure that I trust Loomis. Like I don't know that I trust that his motivations are good. That's so fair. i I don't know. i'm I'm kind of okay with that in the stupid right. decisions category. All right. I, overall I I didn't think there were that many stupid decisions in this movie. I thought it was pretty, you know, fine. The, the 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 two that jumped out to me were when at the end in the climax when Michael Myers finally reveals himself and Jamie Lee Curtis is running around. She runs to a house and knocks on the door and it's like save me, like help me, this guy's after me and some neighbors turn on the lights and then they're like no. And then it's yes. like don't help her. And instead of going to the next house, she's like, I'm going to run back into my house and like go upstairs. Like I said, that's a stupid decision. Yes. Um, 100% stupid decision. I guess if you're in a panic and you're like adrenaline's flowing and you're a teenager and you're not thinking clearly, you know, all right, I can see why you would just not be thinking clearly fine, but that's pretty dumb. And uh, the only other thing I thought was the totally girl didn't bother me that much. I was just like, uh, she's just teenage caricature. But Jamie Lee Curtis's other babysitter friend, whose name I don't remember, but the one that was across the street, who, who gets
2: spills strangled in the butter car?
0: on her... I guess it was butter. She spills something on her clothes. And is like, I'm going to go do my clothes in the washer, which is in this other little house outside. And then she gets stuck in a window... Yes. And this little kid has to come help her. I
2: forgot about and she's
0: that. just kind of wandering around, really not wearing any pants and just kind of in a shirt. And then she's going to go pick up her boyfriend in a car, really not wearing any clothes because she's like doing her laundry. And that's what it, it really doesn't affect the movie at all. It doesn't. It's just, it, it's just so stupid. It's just dumb. But when I was thinking about it, I was like, uh, you know what? teenager in the late 70s I could I could probably see somebody like behaving like this I guess it's all like misdirection of like you don't know where Michael is and it's like yes. is he gonna get this girl while she's out doing the lot? it's all it's all yeah it's fine it's just kind of there's not a lot of campiness in this movie and oh. there's not a lot of stupid decisions and that whole sequence with her was the one part of it where I was like this is a bit campy and kind of kind of goofy, but also not totally out of bounds for just like teenage hijinks, I guess. So yeah, not too bad.
1: Yeah. Yep. Which one
0: do you want to do next? I can do Friday the 13th. And I, uh, cause again, my note for this was just nothing happens in this movie. Cause yeah, I mean, it's kind of campy in parts that got, like you were saying the guy Ralph, who's like the town, guy that kind of wanders around he's kind of campy he's not in it very much yep. um the part where the cop comes up on the bike and he's like we don't want anything bad going down around here and kevin bacon like messes with his bike that was like man you in 2022 is not a thing you do like don't touch the cop's bike kevin oh. bacon yeah you doing <laughs> um that was a bit campy um uh,
1: but also, how did the why was the cop there?
0: I, yeah, I don't know. Like, and he just, he doesn't really, it's not such a random, doesn't like, it's not even like a callback later. Like, there are oh. other cops in the movie, but that one in the bike doesn't come back or do anything. Not like, so. they
1: were having a party or anything that they were loud enough that, you know, maybe he was like, I'm coming off the beaten path to see what's going on in the woods. Like, yeah, they, it was such a random, pointless scene.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, otherwise, the performance of the mom killer is very over the top, which I liked, but it's super campy. But otherwise, just not there's just nothing that really happens in this movie, it's just kind of like a boring movie where some kids get killed. I mean, the one thing I did think was funny, kind of, was in the very beginning when Annie like shows up in the town and she goes into the like the restaurant or whatever and she's like can somebody take me to crystal lake and they're like "Oh," and then the trucker's like okay sure come get in my truck so she like goes out and then ralph i think his name is ralph he comes out and he's like don't go there you're gonna die and the trucker's reaction is like don't listen to him he's crazy he doesn't know what he's talking about and then they get in the truck and they're driving down the road and then the trucker is like, "You know, if you go to Crystal Lake, you're gonna die, right?" And it's like, "What? You just
1: said that yeah. he
0: he doesn't know what he's talking
1: about." Yeah, and then tries to talk her out of going to the camp.
0: Yeah, and I don't know. I thought that was funny. Yeah. But um, overall, it's just a boring movie. So I'm, I I'm I'm gonna go low on my score.
1: Yeah. Same points I wrote down, Steve. Why? What was the point of him being in this movie? We have the like, the like camp director person. Oh, uh, the
0: guy that was like the drawing, like when the one one of them had the drawings and he was like, You're good at drawing in like a kind yes. of creepy way. Yeah. And then and like, then puts that, her there was hair no callback hair to that, <laughs> that either.
1: Yeah, yeah. He does some little like creepy, you know, oh, Alice and like puts her hair behind her ears, like, Oh, like, stay well. Yeah. And if nothing, then, you know, I'll, I'll let you go. But also it was established earlier that pre-camp is two weeks and you're asking her to stay an extra week. There's no kids there. What are you expecting to get better for her? Yeah, uh. You're just fixing shit before the kids come up, stupid. And then he fucks off for the whole movie. He goes into town to go pick up some supplies and whatnot. And you only see him when he's in the diner, like, paying for his food in the rain and then he you don't see him again it's not like he comes back to the camp and gets yeah killed. he gets
0: killed he does get killed he, does he gets get killed. he gets picked up by the cop because he gets stuck in the mud and then the cop picks him up and drives him in and then the oh, cop yes. gets a call that's like there's an accident on highway whatever and oh, drops right. him off in the rain and then he walks into the camp and as soon as he gets to the camp he sees the killer which you don't you you see the as the viewer you see the perspective of the killer and he recognizes them and like oh what are you doing here and then he gets stabbed
1: right sorry um I still think his character is pointless
0: oh yeah I mean it's the only the only thing that's kind of useful about that is that you get the information that the killer is somebody that he knows right but
1: other than that he's pretty useless. The whole, like, let's play Strip Monopoly. Who is playing Strip Monopoly? That is not a game where I'm like, yeah, you know what's going to make this game better? Nakedness.
0: That felt like something teenagers would do, though. Or like camp. I don't know. I thought that feels like a real thing that people would do.
1: Strip Crazy 8s makes more sense to me. Uh, I'm not saying
0: it makes a ton of sense, but it felt like...
1: But then also, she's like, kick. oh, I left the windows open in my cabin. I'm going to take the time to put on my raincoat. But you know what? I'm just not going to take the time to put my pants and shirt on and go out in the rain in my underwear.
0: Yeah. What didn't make sense to me about it was the girl that's like, let's play Strip Monopoly. And then they're playing. And then they just, and then that girl is just like, well, I'm done.
2: I left my windows open like,
0: in my leaves. cabin. I got to go. And it's just like, oh, well, okay. I don't cool. know. It, was a bit,
1: it yeah. Whatever. It's been said. A boring movie nothing really happens. There's campiness but I think bad campiness and I don't I don't I don't even I don't even think we need to talk about this movie anymore in this category. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: So Nightmare on Elm Street.
1: <laughs> the whole movie is just camp. His character. Freddy Krueger is just camp. It's great.
0: Yeah, it's just like massively campy. It's 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 so 80s. The aesthetic of this movie is so 80s. I think now in 2022, when people think about like the nostalgic 80s stuff like Stranger Things, it's this movie people are thinking about. Like it's the aesthetic of this movie. It's yeah. it's very campy. It's almost like you can't really even point to the like individual things and be like, this is campy, this is campy, this is campy, because it's kind of just a whole movie. In a good way, it is It is funny. The one scene that I did want to point out, though, that actually made me laugh was the mom is such a psycho, Nancy's mom. And there's a scene where Nancy, uh, I don't remember what's been happening, but it's towards the end. And when she first comes out and finds out that the mom's put bars on the windows and she comes back in and she comes into the house and she's like, mother! And the mom steps out of the kitchen in this really dramatic pose with a cigarette and just stands there so dramatically and just gives her this look. And it's so campy and funny looking. And it just, that made me laugh. Like, that was very funny. But um, yeah, I mean, Freddy himself is like a massively campy villain. Yep. I don't know. I don't know what else to say because it's like I said, it's hard to point out individual things and be like, "This was campy," because the whole movie the whole is campy. So stupid uh, decisions. Yeah, I didn't think there were many massively stupid decisions in this either. At least not from the the kids. The one thing that was very stupid, uh, two things that were very stupid, were both adults. One was the mom. <laughs> probably the stupidest thing yeah the mom was part of this vigilante crew that like hunted down freddie in the beginning or prior to the movie happening so you never see this but she tells a story like they hunted out freddie and they burnt him and whatever and then he kept his knife hand and hid it in her basement what are you doing that's the dumbest thing you could do it makes no sense that's so stupid. I cannot believe anybody would do that. What's your justification for doing that? What's your motivation for doing that? This person, if you put yourself in her shoes, this is the worst person that you've ever encountered in your life. And is the most horrible person that, that has ever been alive. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to keep their serial killer weapon. And I'm going to hide it in the basement of my house and just keep it there. Stupid decision. Really, really dumb. And the other one was at the very end uh, when Nancy is like battling Freddy, she's like, I'm gonna go into my dream. I'm gonna get Freddy and like bring him into the real world. And she leans out of her house cause she's locked into her house and her dad and the whole police force is across the street. And she's like, when I do this, so telling her to her, telling us to her dad who doesn't believe her, but she's like, when I do this, just be ready. I'm gonna tell you, be ready, come in, take this guy down, just be ready to do this. And the dad tells a subordinate cop, look at my house, if you see anything suspicious, come get me. And so Nancy goes into the dream, she gets ready, And then she's battling him in the house and like running around and like going to all the windows and stuff is clearly going down. There's fires and she's breaking windows and knocking on doors. Like it's, it's going down. And this cop is watching this happen and a bunch of different things happen and he keeps seeing it. And then finally, like on the third time that she like leans out the window and is like, save me, like get my dad. He's like, I wonder if I could go tell the lieutenant. And it's like, what are you doing, you moron? Was, he told you specifically if you see anything strange, go get him. And this whole house is there's this massive ruckus going on. Go get the guy. What are you doing? So those were the two like really stupid decisions that I had. But the kids actually were like pretty okay. I thought.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with everything here. Um, definitely the dumbest of the entire movie are Nancy's parents. More so mom than dad.
0: Yeah, dad um, was okay, I thought. Like, okay he didn't okay believe her, part. but like, he was okay.
1: Just that one part where he's like, yeah, I'm going to get other people to check in on my child. And like, oh, maybe something is going down. Yeah. um, Mom, there are some classic, just- awful lines that come out of mom's mouth. And I I should have written them down. But oh, man, she's just got some some real great head scratchers going on there. I mean, they do they do mention that she's a bit of an alcoholic. So maybe she kept the glove as a as a like, yeah, fuck you, you're dead. Or no, I, I feel like, I take that back because I feel like her becoming an alcoholic is probably because she's a murderer now. Um, maybe that's to help cope. But anyways, she says some real dumb lines in this movie and it's fantastic. And her like breathy, dumbass, doe-eyed act that she does all movie. And Nancy, the actress in this movie, is just terrible. I I just have to say, there's a lot of really bad acting in this movie from a lot of the kids and from mom. Mom and Nancy are the worst actors in this whole movie and and it adds to, I think, the hilarity and campiness of this movie. Nancy's mother! Mother! I think is one of my favorites of Nancy's. Um, In terms of stupid actions, I didn't have much written down that you haven't said, just like I wrote Nancy's mom underline, just like yeah. her whole being. And yeah, Freddie is a character is just all camp. And I, I think kind of similar to to Halloween, there aren't a lot of stupid decisions in here, but the stupid decisions that you mentioned were just real dumb. Also, why are you putting bars on her window?
0: I mean the mom was just out of it like she was just clearly she just like lost it she just
1: and also I I found it really funny it's I guess it's not like a totally stupid decision but you know Nancy screaming in the bathtub and freaking out and then mom oh baby are you okay yeah I just I just fell asleep okay yeah careful you could drown Mm -hmm. have a good night honey bye I I don't know. She she was just weird. Yeah, not very many stupid decisions here. Super camp, but camp in a good way. I think it worked.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely worked. Definitely camp in a good
1: way. So. Final scores.
0: Uh, Okay, so for Halloween, once again, I went pretty high. I gave this an eight. I think it's just, it's doing what it's trying to do. It's not massively campy with like the other ones, but it's not trying it's um it's accomplishing what it sets out to accomplish nobody does anything massively stupid um everything pretty much makes sense and it all works there's nothing that really takes you out of the movie so yeah pretty high give it an eight
1: i also gave it an eight same reasons does what it sets out to do the stupid actions are minor and doesn't detract from the movie. And also, I, as stupid as it is that Lori runs upstairs and goes back into her own house, it's part of horror movie trope. And I kind of like that it's one of the earlier ones that does that, of like the major horror movies. It, it fits. It's stupid, but it fits. Friday the 13th.
0: Yeah, once again, I went really low and I just went too... Just because, like we've said, nothing really happens in this movie. I guess we didn't really talk about it for this category, but the fish boy launching out of the lake is pretty campy at the end. So right. point for that. But, yeah.
1: Um,
0: yeah, two.
1: I, I had two, but that point, uh, I gave it a three. One for each. One for each. Because the campiness that was in this was bad. Um, so yeah, get to three. Nightmare on Elm Street.
0: I also went eight for this cause to me, it's just like, again, on the opposite end of the spectrum of Halloween, like it's doing everything that it wants to do. Um, it's doing it really well. Uh, the camp is good. It's, it's, high. I can't bring myself to be like, this was perfect. But um, pretty much everything works. Uh, So I'm giving it an 8.
1: I give it an 8.5. Same reasons as you, except I think the fact that Freddie's whole being was camp and how well that worked, I think it gave it an extra uh, half a point.
0: Okay. Yeah. Fair. All right. Last... Category. The
1: final girl.
0: Where do you want to? Can we? Let's just start with Friday the Thirteenth on this one, because I just would like to get that out of the way. Because let's do
1: I don't that. Really have
0: anything to say about that?
1: Yep.
0: Um, I just want to. I'll just get this out of the way. I thought that this girl was the most. All of these kids in this movie were boring, and the girl that lived until the end was the most boring of these boring kids. And that even though. By now, you should have guessed, I thought this movie was bad. That hurt that movie, this movie even more, that like the kid that survived until the end was the most boring of the kids. So I don't really have much to say about this. This kid had no personality. I guess it's good that she managed to fight off the killer woman at the end, although it sucks that she got attacked by the fish boy, like we've said. But I don't have much to say about this. It was a boring camper that lived not knowing what happens in the sequels, I kind of hope she would not come back in the sequels because she's boring. Or if she did come back, massively expand her personality because she has no personality (laughs) in this movie.
1: Yeah. You know what? I, I wrote down, I didn't remember her name while watching the movie and I actually had to look up her name afterwards. Alice is her name. Very boring. Didn't really give a shit whether she lived or died. She doesn't, she's not even meant like pointed out as a main character in this movie. Like she seems to be a side character to all the other teenagers. And that to me does not smell final girl. Um, Spell final girl. I made up my own Um, and yeah, she was just boring. So yeah, didn't care about her. So now Let's do Friday. Th- uh, 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 oh my God. Nightmare before Nightmare on Elm Street. Wow.
0: Okay. Let's
1: do that one. Okay. I I didn't like Nancy growing up. Watching this movie growing up, I, I hated her and I really didn't care whether she lived or died. Watching it this time, Nancy really does overcome a lot in this movie. And she has a pretty shitty mom who is just like out to lunch the whole time. And she's fighting against everyone not believing her and then ends up in this like, epic's a strong word, but ends up in this like epic horror battle with her dream demon. And I thought that she, her character had growth in it. And I thought that was pretty cool. I did towards the end because she was the final one of her friends to survive. I did somewhat care whether she lived or died, and I liked the relationship that she had with Freddie. I thought that was pretty cool. So I scored this pretty high because of Nancy's personal growth. I think she's a terrible actor, and I think there were a, there were a bunch of parts. Had there been any, what took away from me though, is that that could could have been any other person in that role. Like it didn't have to just be Nancy. The final person could have been Tina. The final person could have been another girl. Like there was no real, like, this is why Nancy is the final girl because all of their parents killed him from what they said in the first movie, not Nancy's parents. So to me, Nancy just seemed kind of lucky to be the final girl. But I thought because of that, her character growth and arc was strong enough that I gave this a decent score.
0: Okay. I thought Nancy ruled. I thought she was boss. I really liked Nancy. I thought it was great how she sort of kept it together the whole movie and managed to like piece together these different elements of what was going on. First, what Freddy's kind of MO was, um, she managed to get his hat in the dream world and figure out like, oh, I can sort of transport elements of him or maybe all of him into the real world. I really thought it was... I just thought it was boss how she got to the end and was like, you know what? I'm going into the dream world and I'm taking this sucker out. I'm taking him down and I'm going to home alone my house. And and that's what's going to happen. I'm going in. He's going down. He's coming out with me. This is, this is going down. It was, it was good. She wasn't like your typical screaming horror trope, Girl, she wasn't, like, constantly falling all over herself to, like, just run and escape. She was like, I'm, I'm going to go toe-to-toe with this sucker, and I'm going to take him down. And I really, really appreciated that. I thought she... She was really the glue that held a lot of things together because she, Johnny Depp was useless. Like he was constantly he falling was very asleep useless. Yeah. and she was trying to convince him of things. And even when she did finally convince him of what was going on with Freddie, he was still falling asleep and being useless. Yeah. And it was Nancy who was the one that was getting things done. And like I said, it was funny to me when she was like tricking her mom and whipping out the like coffee pot from under her bed, but it was still resourceful. She was resourceful. And she was just doing all this stuff that was, was great. And actress, I don't know, she was fine. I didn't think she was terrible. She wasn't good, but for this movie, absolutely fine. 100% fine for this movie. So I thought Nancy was boss and I thought Nancy ruled. And I really like Nancy. Now I've got to talk about the end of this movie. I was waiting to talk about it here because I hated it. I hated it. It really detracted from the movie, I thought. Because like I was saying before, man, it annoyed me so much that Nancy goes through all of this stuff and she defies all of these stereotypes. And she's like, I'm taking this guy down. And she does. She takes this dude down. She takes Freddie down. And then at the very end of the movie, She's gone through this whole ordeal. She's home alone in her house and set up all these traps and persevered through all this stuff and taken this guy down and overcome her nightmares and done all of this stuff. And then the very last scene is, whoops, she's still in a nightmare. Freddy's still out there. Freddy's still killing people. And he, like, I don't know, kills the mom. And they're in Freddy's car, which is, I guess, Freddy himself. It's not super clear, but whatever. Freddy's still alive. And that sucks so bad. Man, that made me really mad because it just undoes every all what you were saying about her like character growth and her overcoming thing yeah that's all true and then it's undone in the last like 15 seconds of the movie it sucks all of these stereotypes that she defies are it's great that they made this movie and did that and had this girl defy all these stereotypes and overcome all this stuff and then they got to the end and were like Oh, but none of that matters. We're, we're just going to undo all of that. And whatever, you're, if you're setting up sequels, fine, there's other ways you can set up sequels. But man, I hated that so much. But I don't know. It doesn't detract, I guess, from how much I thought Nancy ruled, but man, I hated that ending.
1: I agree. The ending was probably, no, not probably, was the worst part of that movie. And it definitely did take away from all of that growth that I think Nancy did. And I I think they were trying to like redeem the mother character as well, even though she's dead, but you know, just like, oh, I'm no longer an alcoholic. I feel great. They tried to do a lot too much, I think with that ending to be like, ooh, to be continued dun-dun-dun din, din. and it just sort of we want to talk about campiness and stupid decisions that um i know that wasn't a character decision it's a movie making decision but like
0: if they had just even kept it ambiguous yes. like you're not sure if freddie's still around or not that would be fine i'd be totally fine with that but the fact that they're just like oh no actually Nancy didn't do anything. he's still yeah. alive, yeah, and all of that was for nothing, and Nancy's probably gonna die. Well, oh, that sucks that's that's the sucky ending. I hate that,
1: yeah, I do agree with you. Nancy was pretty boss. Um, I think again, the only thing that detracted from me was I didn't understand why Freddie was so keen on nancy there There was nothing. It was Nancy and her mom because at the end when Freddie dies, he's like lying on top of Nancy's mom and then she dies.
0: I and assumed that, it was because the mom kept the knives. Although it's not like super explained, but it's
1: I guess that makes yeah. Because okay. the
0: moms had the knives in the basement.
1: Right. Okay. That makes sense. That connection. Like the we yeah, yeah. They never
0: say that, but also like
1: you can interpret it that way. I think that's a that's a good that's a good way of interpreting that yeah um but yeah I I agree Nancy was uh definitely different than our other um final girls and I think you're right she did she wasn't the typical final girl and that was cool but I I think outwardly I didn't see a reason why there was that attachment to Nancy so it seemed to me like it could have been anyone and Nancy just got lucky that she was last but her actions were pretty sweet. Halloween last one. Laurie in this movie, I, I don't think and I get it it's the first movie, but the okay, just Laurie in this movie, not as badass as Laurie in future movies. Um she is the classic final girl. Very screamy, very help-me, somewhat resourceful. I like that she kind of holds it together in front of the kids and then is all like ah by herself. I appreciate that. I like the boogeyman call at the end, as childlike as it is. I, I kind of like it. It sort of like loops everything together for me. I don't think she was, I don't think she was a terrible final girl by any means. I liked her as the final girl. Um, She was just, she played into the trope.
0: I mean, I think she created the trope.
1: She did. That's true. She did. She is the, the. I I don't, is she the original Scream Queen? She's one of them for sure.
0: I mean, so, uh, yeah. I mean, we haven't really set this up to talk about like the influence of these movies overall, but like so many things were influenced by Halloween.
2: Yes. Like, uh, it just...
0: Nightmare on Elm Street as well. And Friday the 13th, a little bit. But like those two in particular. But Halloween, just so many things came out of it. And that was one of them.
1: I think she, yeah, she does, she set the stage. And I think that's really important. You can't take that away from her. I think to take her away from comparing to Nancy, I think she did a really good job. I think she's a good final girl. You know, she's that innocent out of all of her friends she's the the quiet studious girl who you know nothing bad ever happens to she stays virginous so she doesn't have sex and then she's you know living she only slightly talks about boys she's talking very much about school and like studiousness and having responsibilities I like that as like a female role model I think it's cool I think she was the final girl
0: I thought she was fine like she was fine to good um Like we said, she is the one that I think kind of creates this trope in the first place. It's hard not to watch this now and see like Jamie Lee Curtis as because she's so iconic now. Yeah. Which she, you know, she wasn't at the time. Yeah, I I don't know. There's, she doesn't do anything in this movie that's massively memorable, but she's also not bad. It's just, she's fine to good. She doesn't, uh, we've talked about, it, she doesn't do anything that's like massively stupid. She is pretty resourceful. I thought when he's coming into the closet after her and she takes the uh, clothes hanger and stabs that's him, sure. I was like, oh yeah, yep. pretty pretty resourceful. That's pretty good. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't feel like there's like a huge amount to say because she's just very solid. She does the job. Nancy's a badass. She's not a badass like Nancy. Yeah. But she's like, Solid, does the job, does absolutely everything the movie needs her to do. It's Jamie Lee Curtis. So, you know, you can't complain about that. So, yeah, I'm going to give it a high score, but I'm not going to give it, you know, massive points.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Scores. Let's uh, get Friday the 13th out of the way. You give it a two? Yep. Solid two.
0: Okay. I just went one. Like there was just <laughs> nothing redeeming for me.
1: I like it. Uh, f- uh, Nightmare on Elm Street.
0: I went nine. Honestly, I could have gone ten on the on here if it had a better ending. And it sucks to penalize her for the ending, but man, uh, it it just undoes it undoes her whole character arc so it's hard for me to be like oh yeah they they totally nailed it when it's just nothing she did mattered so but most of the movie i feel like nancy carries everything pretty well and uh i'm giving it a nine
1: nice i gave it a 9.5 yeah the ending took it away from me um they lost half marks on that 9.5
0: all right, Halloween.
1: Halloween. Um, Halloween. Uh, I a seven and a half or an eight. I I can't really decide, but yeah, like you said, it, it gets the job done. It's nothing super outstanding. She's resourceful. She's cool. She sets the trope, which is what makes me lean towards the eight. But she's 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 not overly fantastic. Well, like there's nothing that sets her apart yet.
0: She's just like a regular person. Yes. And like, for this movie, that... It works. Works. Yeah. But I, So I went seven, because I was like, good, absolutely what this movie needs, but um, in isolation, not massively memorable. But good, so seven. I think
1: I'm going to stick with seven and a half. I think eight's a little too generous. It gets the job done. It's average.
0: You know, I can't really give it a 10, but also what would you do different? I wouldn't do anything different. So it's hard for me to say like, oh, it could be better. I'm not sure it could be better.
1: I think within the realm of that movie, yeah, it it works. And there, I don't know that you would, and I think if you did anything different, well, no, they did do differently, but in the later movies. In this movie, you have to introduce... You have to introduce her character. Right. And and if she's starting off as a teenager, she kind of has to start off a little not uh, she has to start off lower to go higher in the other movies, right? Like there needs to be growth. Yeah. And she's a teenager too. So yeah,
0: uh, yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: It's it's average 70, 75. I think that's that's fine.
0: All right. So do you want to give our final scores and then see which one comes out on top?
1: Okay, so final score for Friday the Thirteenth got a big old sixteen for me. Halloween forty, and Friday the Thirteenth forty-four.
0: Bad on Elm Street forty-four.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. I also had Friday the Thirteenth at a sixteen. Nice. Yeah, I don't. I don't really have anything good to say about that movie. I straight up thought it was straight up yeah. thought it was bad that exists (laughs) yeah thought it was bad probably won't ever watch it again no uh like i said the one thing i liked was the twist but that was it for me second place i had nightmare on elm street at a 37 it's really good it's really good movie it can't be i think for me the overriding thing about this movie is it's just it is 80s it's it's Just 80s. If you are into that and you haven't seen this, you've got to see it. If you if you like things like Stranger Things and you haven't seen this, you've got to see this. Yeah, you've got to see this. But that said, you know, horror is just not my favorite genre. So this is probably never gonna be my favorite thing ever. But like I enjoyed it quite a bit. I watched it, I liked it. Some parts were scary, some parts were funny. I liked the campiness, it was good. 37, or my number one, which was Halloween, this came in at a 40, Mm -hmm. I thought this movie was great, I thought this movie was really, really good, of the three, this is the one that I was like, I would watch this multiple times, like this movie's really good, Um, to borrow a quote from Henry Jones Jr., I think this movie belongs in a museum, it's really good, I kind of, I like John Carpenter movies to begin with. I really like Escape from New York. I like some of his other movies. And this just holds up all around. Everything about it works. Great movie. Really liked it. Classic movie. Nightmare on Elm Street, liked it. Halloween, really liked it. Friday the 13th, didn't like it at all.
1: Yeah, Jason has always, Friday the 13th has always been my least favorite of the slasher movies. I, I've never, i never, I didn't even have this movie when we agreed to do this. I had to uh, get it um, because I, I just, I never had it in my repertoire. Halloween, I liked it a lot. I also thought it was interesting that we gave both Friday the 13th and Halloween the same scores. Halloween's a great movie. Yeah, great movie. Nine Mile Numb Street, since I was seven has been my all time favorite of the slasher movies. Freddie has always been my favorite guy. So maybe I went and I, I tried to be as least as most objective as possible. Freddie just does it for me. I love his, his charisma. I love how he tort. like I've said before, I love how he tortures his, the victims and whatnot. And it's just overall a great vibe. I, I like it. It's campy. It's fun. I like it and it's creepy and it's so different than a Typical horror movie, especially for that time
0: Yeah, I could see how you would have a lot of nostalgia for that movie Just anyway, just as a general statement Like I could see that one I I, I could imagine if you were a teenager in 1984 Seeing that, like loving it Just like really, really being into it
1: I also just really like that he kills people He gets you in your dreams And yes, the vibe of the movie is very 80s but him as a character can, I think, adapt to really any time period because it's a dream. And that is a normal human thing that we all go through. We all have to sleep. So I think if it's done well and with respect to the character, you can really have Freddy in any time period and it will still work.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's so much you can do with That's another reason why they didn't need to do that ending is because, like, you could, there's a million ways to bring him back or do sequels without having to, to, like, do this bogus ending.
1: Yeah, I think they were trying really hard to set because he's the baby of the three, right? He's coming in after Halloween and Jason. And I think they were trying to really set it apart, which they did with the character itself. But I think the ending, in terms of how to continue on with the franchise, because I think both. Halloween and Friday the 13th had their second ones out by 84. Definitely Halloween. I think Jason, Friday the 13th had the second one out by 84. So I think they were trying to compete with these other two sequels and they just went in the wrong direction.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's it. That's, that's the winner. Halloween for me, Nightmare on Elm Street for you. <laughs>
1: yep. You could agree or disagree with us if you want, but these are our thoughts.
0: So... Uh... I guess we'll wrap it up there. Any final thoughts on those movies or horror movies in general?
1: I think horror movies get a bad rap and you gotta, you gotta embrace the campiness. You gotta embrace the stupidness in order to enjoy them. Cause it's part of it. Those are my final thoughts on horror movies.
0: I'd agree with that. I think I'll, I'll leave it there. I don't have any final thoughts that are better than that. So I guess we'll wrap it up there. And, uh, Until next time.
2: Keep watching these.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And she comes into the house and she's like, Mother!